Everybody have a good Christmas? Excellent. It's good to see you this morning. I am believing this morning, before your children are dismissed, I just want to say something. I believe this morning God has given me a word that will propel you into your future. That's what I'm asking God for. That's what I believe he's given me. And at the end, I'm going to ask the pastoral team to come up, and we are going to bless you. I'm not going to pass out the mic, Pastor Daniel. I will hold the mic, and I will make a declaration. But God is going to speak, and he's going to make a declaration over your life. Man, Children, before you run out, can you come forward? So can I have the children in Sunday school, can you just come forward and the, and the instructors and the teachers? This is awesome. And I have the Sunday school children, if you can come forward. You guys are amazing. Can I have the congregation give them a round of applause? Just, just awesome. You guys are incredible. Did you guys have a great Christmas? Awesome, awesome. You are dismissed for Sunday school, and thank you, teachers, for what you do and how you serve. Amen. Children are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. I got four Bibles. I'm not going to preach from cover to cover from each one. But I'm just going to, I've got a passage of Scripture. I want to take time this morning, and I just want to go through one passage of Scripture. And I'd like to, to break it down a little bit and give a little bit of picture or expand a little bit on what it says. When I was in school, in college, I had to take a literature class. And they wrote this book, this lady wrote this book, a, a Canadian author, Nancy Atwood, or Margaret Atwood. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't get it. Went right by me. And what was funny, she actually wrote some kind of spiritual analogy to Abraham in there, and somehow I missed it when I read it. And here I was, one of the only Christians in the class. Um, but it was funny how the pictures can describe, the words can describe pictures and can describe things. And so this morning as I'm preaching, what I want to do is I'd like you to envision a picture, a portrait, a landscape. And as I'm preaching, what I want to do is I want to take little elements out of that picture and blow them up and expand them. And then we'll put them back in the picture. 
And then I want to take another picture, another aspect of the same photograph, the same landscape, and I want to pull out that thought, and I want to blow it up and expand it. So as we look at this picture, what will happen is you will see beyond the borders of that picture. And you'll see beyond what was written, and you'll get an essence of the heartbeat of what God wants to say to you today. So that's, I, that's what I'd like you to do this morning. So I want you to put on your imagination this morning as we read. And get this picture of God's Word in your life and for your life. And then we'll take some time and we'll just pull out bits and pieces. Are you game? As a kid, they would say, put on your thinking caps. Anybody ever remember that expression? If you're 50, you do. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. And we're going to just take some time and read this passage. And this passage is about the believer. The title in the one book that I have, it calls The Blessed State of the Righteous. Another passage refers to it as the prosperity of the one who fears the Lord. It's ten verses and I want to read all ten. And then I'll go through each verse one by one. I've got a couple other versions, uh, contemporary versions that I'd also like to read and, and give a little bit more exposure to. But in verse 1 it says, Praise the Lord. And what the, the author is doing now is he's giving the backdrop of the landscape. He's giving the setting of the picture. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. That's the scene. That's the scene. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants, now he's starting, we're going to see in the next nine verses, little pictures, little parts of this landscape, of this picture. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. He's talking about the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desires upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. 
He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. If nothing else, Lord, can your word come and be deposited in us as a seed that will grow. So as we take a few moments, Lord, I ask for our hearts to be open, our ears to hear, and our eyes to see the picture that you have painted of your goodness and of your blessing for each one of us. And everybody said? I want to just take a few moments and go through each verse and just explain each verse. He starts with saying, blessed. Blessed means highly favored or fortunate. You're fortunate if you fear the Lord. If you want to live a life of blessing, fear the Lord. Fear God. Have a holy respect and honor for God. Have a reverence for God. God does not promote fear that makes you run in the corner. He promotes fear that is an honor and a recognition of who he is. Who here would like to be, live a blessed life? I do. I do. And it starts with fearing, honoring, respecting God. Parents, your children will pick up your cues. They pick them up. They will say when they get old enough to start to realize that you're going to work and they're communicating, they'll say things like, I want to be just like you, mom. I want to be just like you, daddy. They might even say, can I marry you? And that's not out of disrespect. That's out of honor and love of you. And that's seeing who you are. If you want your children to grow up, in the house of God, then honor God and come to the house of God. Blessed. It says greatly desire. He very much enjoys and he takes a high degree of pleasure. Take a high degree of pleasure in the instructions that God gives you. His commandments are talking about his instructions, his directions, and his directives through his speech and his writing. In other words, how he communicates with us. David wrote in the Psalms, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. In another psalm, it says, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. There's something powerful that happens when we gather together. 
There's something powerful. It's an exponential growth. It's not just an adding and an adding. It's a multiplying and an exponential. And it goes like this and it increases ever so. When we gather together as a corporate body, there's something powerful that happens. I like the second verse. His descendants will be mighty. His descendants will be mighty. I want my kids to be mighty. And they are mighty. Why? Because my wife and I have said we're going to be in the house of God and we're going to fear God. And I'm mighty and my wife is mighty because my parents and her parents said we're going to be in the house of God and we're going to fear God and we're going to delight in his commandments. I've had people come up to my wife and I and say, how did your children turn out? I'm going to brag on my kids today. I love my kids. They're good kids. Good answer, Josh. But I want to brag on them because I think they are the most amazing children that we have. But it took work. It took hard work. It took consistency. But I've seen other parents my age, some of my contemporaries, some of my peers, and their hearts are broken. And I'll tell you one big reason, not the only reason, but one big reason was they did not place a value in the house of God. And I would be doing you a disservice for five years from now, ten years from now, fifteen years from now, if I did not tell you today, make the house of God a priority. Make the house of God a priority. I grew up running underneath or crawling underneath the pews. I came to church so much one day I actually threw up in church. My mom took me down to the bathroom to clean up. If you want your children to be strong and mighty, as this word says, then greatly desire and delight in the instructions God gives you. Don't complain. Can we smile? Because what I'm doing is I'm actually giving you some keys from the Word of God to see greatness happen in your life and in your kid's life. And I have found myself, I will do without things in order for my kids to have things. I've lived long enough to see the benefit of what they have increase and me, I don't need as much as I thought I needed. I still like comfort. I still like those things. But I'm prepared to let go of some of those things in order to see my kids grow and increase and enjoy things. And that, I think, is probably very common for just about every single parent here. I've seen heartache. I've had parents come crying in tears saying, can you meet with my child? And I'll be honest with you, I saw them five years earlier not take the house of God as a value. You see, you're getting legalistic. I'm not getting legalistic. I'm getting relationship. 
I'm getting relationship. The reason why I know how my wife thinks is because I spend time with her. The reason why she knows what I'll say is because she spent time with me. And that's not legalism. We love to be in each other's company. So take delight in the instructions God gives. Your, your, poster, your posterity, your seed, your offspring, your literal offspring will be blessed and great because of what you've done. We've been taught sometimes to live an independent life, but I'll tell you, my life has an effect on my kids. The things I do affect my children. And I stand before God as a parent, as a father, and my wife as a mother, and we are held accountable for the things we have done with our, and for our children. I'm not trying to be heavy. What I want you to see is in this picture of this blessing, we're pulling out little elements and we're trying to expand them so that we can see them a little greater. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. Talking about a generation that is upright, blessed. Every generation of yours will experience favor. Do you want your children to experience favor or hardship? Who's for favor? Who's for hardship? The answer is found in here. I'm tired of Christianity that waters down the power of God. I'm tired of just coming Sunday after Sunday without experiencing God, without seeing children affected. I saw little Isabel just laying down and kneeling down here, and that just touched my heart. She wasn't just playing. She was worshiping God. Brendan and Alicia, good on you that you foster and that you encourage that in your child. That's awesome. And she's going to experience words from God at a young age that will blow your mind. Talking about the descendants, one of the versions says, Shout in celebration of praise to the Lord. Everyone who loves the Lord and delights in him will cherish his words and be blessed beyond expectation. Their descendants will be prosperous and influential. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want my, my descendants to be influential and prosperous. I'll be honest with you, that's what I want. I want them to go above and beyond what I've done. I want them to reach further than I've reached. Their descendants will be prosperous and influential. Every generation of his godly lovers will experience his favor. This is a blessed man. This is a blessed woman. This is a blessed person who follows after God. You want your kids to have the greatest opportunity? Value your relationship with God. Value it high. Value it 
higher than any other activity, any other distraction, any other goal, any other career, any other uh, money, any other thing. Value your relationship with God higher. Value your relationship higher than you value your spouse. Because when you value him, you will value your wife or your husband, your kids, and your family. Keep preaching, Pastor. Keep preaching. Listen to this. Verse 3. Great blessing and wealth fills the house of the wise, for their integrity endures forever. I'd encourage you to take some notes. And you can simply start by saying Psalm 112. Just, just write that down. Psalm 112. There's, a, there's a, an interesting dilemma in this passage, and there's an interesting dilemma sometimes I find in Christendom that we sometimes place what we get higher than what God gives. If you place everything on what you get, you will miss the one who gives. But if you place your value on the one who gives, you will have everything he gives. There's a difference. I'm not interested in telling you what you get. I'm interested in showing you what he gives. Because I have found his giving is a whole lot more better than what I get. And honestly, we don't get everything he gives because we don't understand it. So what I'm trying to do here is open up and show this painting and give you an amazing understanding of the things the Father gives to his kids who fear him, who love him, who delight in him. And I am not interested in the do's and the don'ts, but sometimes there are some do's and don'ts in Christendom. Don't touch the stove. Well, you're just being legalistic. No, I've been there, done that. Got blisters to prove it. Do we got some good music we could play or something? I, I, don't, I don't have any jokes to tell you this morning, but my passion is for you to end this year with a glimpse of what the Father has in store for you. And His Word is certain. His Word is true. His Word is real. And if you want to set your family on a chart that will bring them to amazing things, you start with honoring, fearing, and loving God. That is the backdrop to everything that I'm pulling out today, is fearing God. A blessed life and a blessed person is someone who fears, honors, respects, and places high value on God. And from that, this is the, what the Father... Have you ever had an opportunity with your child where you wanted to give them something, but they didn't even understand the extent of what you had for them? 
You wanted to give them something, and all they wanted was a drink of water. And you're like, man, I've got something great. I'd like to give you something with flavor, something this. And they're just, and the child doesn't understand the magnitude of what you want to give. All they know is what they want to get. And I'm here to tell you what the Father wants to give you is amazing. What the Father wants to give you, he wants to stand there as Pastor Nelson shared. He saw the windows of heaven. He saw heaven open up and people there and smiles on their faces. Why? Because they're in the presence of the King. I was talking to someone even this morning who said, I'm getting a big picture view. Get a big picture view. Get a view of what God has. A big picture view. And then start to pull out the little pictures in that portrait and start to understand all those elements. I got seven and a half minutes left and I'm on verse three. Here's another thing the Father wants to give you He wants to give you light in the darkness. He wants to illuminate things in your life that will make you grow and expand and increase. His illumination isn't to expose the things in your life, it's to expose what is out there for you. He can expose and brighten up Business plans, as Pastor Daniel was sharing. I'm asking God that we would have businessmen and entrepreneurs in here that will have million-dollar, billion-dollar ideas. And I trust you more with the money than I do the people outside these doors. I'd rather you struggle with handling a million and maybe buying an ATV on a whim. I'd rather you do that than somebody else can I be honest? Why not? I'll talk to you later. I'll say, where's your pastor in this picture? Oh. <laughs> but God, stay focused, my wife said. He wants to illuminate those things that are not lighted up in your life. And he says it's going to arise and lightness will come in the darkness. This is the picture, the portrait of what God wants to give. He says that the, the blessed man and the blessed woman will deal graciously. He is gracious, full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. The word graciously and lends talks about lavishness. The God we serve wants to pour out so much on you that you can't contain everything he has for you. Time and time again in the scriptures, God makes a provision for the people that is more than they need. Do you realize for 40 years, every day except for the Sabbath, God gave them manna to eat. Every day for 40 years. 
And there was more than enough because he said, only gather this much because if you gather too much, it will spoil. So just gather what you need. But there was more than they needed there. In one instance, it says he had a flock of quail. That quail fed in the neighborhood of 6, people, uh, 6 million people. Can you imagine how many chickens Kentucky Fried would have to do in order to feed 6 million people? And God just says, I'm just going to blow them in. Five loaves of bread and two fish. It'd be a hard press to feed it to a group this size. And he says, ah, 5,000? No problem. Not only that, but we're going to have 12 bags, 12 bushel buckets left over. And I don't care if they were ice cream buckets or five-gallon pails. Anything left over after 5,000-plus people eat is kind of like a miracle to me. And then he says, by the way, guys, we did that once before. Let's do it again. And they had, I think, seven buckets left over. God is a God of abundance. He says he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we ask or think. Jesus says, I haven't come to just give you life. I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Scripture after scripture after scripture shows that the limit to God is limitless compared to what we think it is. He says, my cup runs over. That's the God you serve, and that's the, what he wants to give you. Can you imagine being blessed by God so much that people look at you and go, you are just ridiculous with your giving. You're just ridiculous with your generosity. Pull it back a bit. Amen. Do, do you realize what you're doing? You are so lavish, you are spoiling them. And, and, and it's like God wants to give you more than you can handle. That's the God, and that's what he wants to give. He deals graciously and lends, and he guides his affairs with discretion. God wants to give you an amazing ability to make decisions. He says, the man that is blessed in this picture, who fears God, who honors him and respects God and delights and follows his commands, he's the guy that guides his affairs with discretion. Can you imagine making good decision after 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 amazing decision after good decision without bad decisions? I'm a candidate for that. Can you imagine sitting in a boardroom and people come to you and say, what do you think? And just from the top of your tongue, you just say, do this. And they go, wow. That's what I'm believing and expecting for some of you here today. I've been there. I've been in meetings where a question comes out and a believer will just say in one sentence, do this. And you're sitting there going, where did that come from? He guides your affairs. And he says not only does he guide, but then you actually guide your life with discretion. Why? Because you honor, you fear, you respect God. Don't ever put God out of the equation. 
I am convinced that the best decisions that are made are decisions that are made with God and saying, God, what do you say? What's the picture you have? What is happening here? And I believe that that relationship can be so fostered that it can just come just like that. I've had that. I've had conversations where I'm racking my brain and I'll say something to my brother and he will say in a minute, not even a minute, in three seconds, he will say, just do this. And it's like, I've been sweating, I've been racking my brain, and I just say this, and Pastor Daniel literally in three seconds can say, well, just do this. I've had that. Why? He's a man who follows God, who honors God, who honors and respects him and is found in his house and delights in him. And he is one of the wisest men I know. He guides his affairs with discretion. And that's being free from favoritism, self-interest, bias, and deception. He guides it with solid and confidence. I'm just breaking down this verse by verse in this chapter. Verse 6, he's never going to be shaken. He's always going to be in everlasting remembrance. He's not going to sway. You're not going to swerve. You're not going to stagger. You're not going to be toppled over. You're not going to be caused to waver. You're going to have, people are going to have a good report. It's okay to want people to have a good report about you. I'd rather have a good report about me than a bad report. But I don't go about doing that. I go about my affairs with discretion and honoring God. And what happens is a good report just automatically comes because the Father gives that. Are you picking up what I'm throwing out this morning? This is a picture. And at the end, I've got a declaration and a decree that we're going to release over you with these verses. Here's one, verse 7. He's not afraid of evil tidings. He's not afraid of bad reports or bad circumstances. The market's dropping. Not my God. My God increases. Well, it's just not the right time. Now, I mean, there's wisdom in some of those things, but you know what? They don't freak me out. Because he's directed my steps. He's given me wisdom. He's given me understanding. I delight in him. My relationship is with him. I spend time with him, so I don't worry. I get, Pastor Winona and I, I can't tell you how many times we've had doctor's visits. I don't base my life on what they say in that doctor's office. I base my life on what the word of God says. And let me tell you, those things are very grave and serious, and I don't take them lightly. But if I based my life on them, I'd be a basket case. I can't base my life on what the experts say. I base my life on what the expert says. You don't have to be afraid of a bad report, bad information. You don't have to be afraid of some recent events. Anybody a candidate for that? 
He's trusting. He's confident. His heart is established, verse 8. He has no fear, and he sees his enemies. In Psalm 23, it says, in the presence of my enemies. God will do things in the presence of your enemies that the enemies can't do in the presence of anybody. He causes them to sit down and eat in the presence of my enemies. They're all scheming, conviving, conniving, and uh, yes, yes, and all this and all that. And all I'm doing is I'm sitting and eating at his place. I'm excited inside, if you can't see that. Verse 9, he's dispersed abroad, given to the poor. Righteousness endures. His horn is exalted. That actually is quoted in in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, which is a whole chapter about giving. So God wants to affect your finances. Yeah. Yeah, let me think on that one. God wants to affect your finances to the point where you lavishly give. You disperse it like a farmer disperses his seed. I'm not there yet. But I tell you, I am getting there. I am getting there. I'm getting to the point where I question why I'm giving it away. Why? I don't have a vetting system. I do, but I, there are some things. I, my vetting system is what God tells me to do. Now, that's dangerous ground, I know. Disperse means to scatter, to give, to distribute, to be lavish. Given. He's given to the poor. He transfers possession of something. Have you ever transferred possession of something that was yours to someone else? That's what it means, the word given. And then the last verse in verse 10, it says, The wicked will see and perish. And the picture I got here, I got a comic. Because I see comics. But what I saw was this little gremlin. Gnawing at at you and trying to get at you. And all of a sudden, it realizes the blessing of God is all over you. And it sits there, kind of like that mucousy commercial where it tries and all of a sudden there's a protection around you. And it can't do anything. and And what it does is it just shrivels and whimpers, scampers, and hides in the corner and perishes and dies. What the enemy thought would destroy you actually caused you to be stronger and propel you. And now all of a sudden the enemy thinking, I have this plan, I got this scheme, I've got this idea. All of a sudden he's just scripting and he's hiding and he runs into the corner. Shrivels up and dies. Why? Because I am a blessed man. Look at somebody and say, I'm a blessed man or woman, whichever one you are. But tell somebody. Now if I can have the pastoral team come up on the stage here. 
I want to make a decree, but I don't want to do it myself. I want to have them with me because I believe there's strength and there's power in our group. And I'd like you just to stand all the way across here. And what I'd like you to do is just stretch forth your hands. I'm going to re read this. It will take me two minutes. Um, maybe if you could stand. I'm going to read this decree. If you want a copy of it, text me or email me. I will give it to you. But you have to ask for it. But I want to make a, de a decree. A decree is a formal order established by law. A decree is a formal order established by law. It is truth and it carries the authority of a court order. It's got legal oomph behind it. Uh, Adrian and Charlene, you guys are pastoral in capacity and in function. I want you up here too, please. You guys are a huge element and part. It's truth and it carries the authority of court order. I'm decreeing the word of God this morning and I'm cutting off. There's an aspect of a decree is that it cuts off and it divides. So I'm cutting off the illegal words, actions, thoughts, and intents that have been put in your life by some nefarious or illegal activity. I'm cutting them off now. And the decree I am establishing and saying is going to cut that off and it's going to divide and it's going to separate the good from the bad. So that's what a decree does. It establishes. I'm also going to make a declaration and I'm making that with the pastoral team behind me with their full support and their full agreement and they would say the same over you. A decree makes known and it sets the record. A declaration. A declaration sets the record. Declaration of independence. It set the record and the intent. It's also referred as a manifest. So sometimes when people make a manifesto, what they're doing is they're making a declaration. They're making it known. And so I want to make known and set the record straight and reveal God's intent over your life. So I'm making a manifesto, and I'm declaring that over you today, of what God's intent for you is. So if you want it, let me know, and you can have it with you. So I'm declaring and decreeing blessing. Fear the Lord, live a blessed, favored life, and enjoy His blessing over your life and over your family. I'm declaring and decreeing posterity. The seeds of life and humanity that you sow will grow. Your children will grow, be strong and great in this nation and in this world. The generations that flow from you will be strong, fixed, sure, and certain. They will be blessed because of you. I'm speaking to you of wealth and riches. Your houses and your homes will be full of the abundance of God. Physical and financial goodness will be stored up in your blessings and in your dwellings. You will not lack any good thing. 
I'm making this declaration and decreeing that you will have clarity and brightness. Light will shine in places that were dark and unlightened. Areas that were unseen will light up and you will move into those areas. You will walk in great grace, uncommon compassion, and unscathed morals. I'm making these decrees and declaration over you. You will be generous. You will be marked by generous generosity. Ridiculously lavished and over-the-top generosity will flow from you. You will be the one who lends and shares of the good treasure you have been entrusted with. You will conduct yourself with a manner that is pure, whole, and sincere. Your decisions will be good and sure. You will have confidence in your walk. I declare and decree no fear. No fear. Fear will depart from you. You will not be moved by reports or circumstances and events around you. But your center of your being will rest and find its strength in the confidence of the Lord. No thing and nothing will shake you. I declare and decree outrageous giving. Ridiculous giving. You will give more. You will be outrageous in your giving. Your hands will be open to help and to pour out from your storehouses. You will give to those who need with no record for return. I declare that your name will be honored and will be great in your community. You will be elevated in positions that you did not even desire or even know of because of your fear of God. And I declare the enemy is defeated. Those who opposed you and tried to make accusations against you will be in awe, anger, and frustration as they see you walking out of the fire unscathed and without smelling of smoke. They will clench their teeth, mumble, and die. They will cease to impose their intents on you. They will scurry into a corner, whimper, and fade away. This is your heritage as you fear God, love Him, and keep His commandments. Now, praise the Lord. Give Him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. God keep you. And don't put a limit onto what God can do in 2020. Amen. You are dismissed.